You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good morning and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. It's the morning after the night before Arsenal got off to the most disappointing of starts. Really uh, poor performance, poor display and a poor result at Brentford. The Gunners beaten by two goals to nil. Thomas Frankside getting the upper hand on us, putting us to the sword in their first ever game in the Premier League. I've watched the game back. Um, I've been sort of thinking about a lot of kind of elements about of it and, and why Arsenal struggled so much, why Arsenal were unable to create chances with any regularity, why Arsenal were pulled apart defensively at certain points in the game, why we conceded the goals that we did. And I've put together a little bit of a tactical analysis for you guys. I want to highlight some issues that I feel the Arsenal side have and had uh, last night against Brentford. I think that a lot of these deficiencies that I'm going to talk about will not be new things. There'll be things that you saw at various points during last season. And that's what makes it all the more frustrating that, you know, start of the 2021-22 campaign and we're talking about the same things. It's not, it's not good. Um, I've, I've tried to kind of make sense of it all. I've tried to look at it from different points of view. I'm trying to be as objective as I possibly can. I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans talking about the players that were missing yesterday. And for me, that's not really an excuse. I think a lot of us, not everybody, but a lot of us would have agreed that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's form probably suggests he shouldn't have been in the starting lineup anyway. I think a lot of us would agree that we have an issue as a team creating opportunities. It wasn't that we were missing our strikers. We got into key positions and we got into good areas and we didn't make it count. I don't think we even created enough chances. Mikel Arteta always talks about Arsenal getting in the final third and getting into good moments. He uses that phrase a lot. And it's a really frustrating thing that he does because ultimately it doesn't matter how high you get up the pitch. If you've got nearly zero chance of scoring a goal, then your opponent will happily let you do that. I talked yesterday in the post-match reaction show about how much space Arsenal seemed to create in the wide areas, but that Brentford and any other opponent we seem to come across are actually happy for us to do that because they trust in their ability to defend whatever cross is going to come off the back of it, whatever pass is going to come in field. And I can think of one time yesterday maybe two, when Arsenal got down the left-hand side, pulled the ball back and made something happen. There was that moment in the first half where Balogun took a bit of a heavy touch as he tried to turn after the ball was played in, I think, from Tierney. Um, and, you know, he he, he got clipped and he, he shot way wide. And then there was another moment, wasn't there, in the second half towards the end of the game, we were already 2-0 down when the ball was cut back to Nicola Pepe. And I've got some screenshots and I've got the tactics board out and we're going to run through uh, a lot of this stuff 
during this episode of the podcast. want to just quickly remind you before I do that, because I want to get right into it. And once I do, I might forget. Just want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to manscaped.com. Use our discount code, which is 19min20, and you'll get yourself 20% off of your total order as well as free shipping. Also, this video is also being brought to you by Le Bon. The Le Bon app is uh, is back for the new season. It's a fantastic app. It's a game in which you can predict the Premier League scores every weekend and take on your friends. You bet against your friends with real money. You go head to head. Um, and of course, you set the stakes. It's brilliant. You get the bragging rights if you beat your mates. What more do you want? Played it quite a bit last season towards the back end of the season. And I'm playing again with Rory Jennings, Elliot Hackney, Adam McCola. Uh, So plenty of... Uh, of uh, competition Lawrence Boovies in there as well so yeah uh gonna be a, a great season on La Bomb again make sure you download the app if you haven't already if you do want to play this weekend you must sign up and you must set your game up by 12 30 today that is the deadline 12 30 Saturday if not if you don't make that you can play next week of course uh but check out the La Bomb app the link is in the description and we thank them for their very kind support Right, so let's get into some of the issues that I thought Arsenal had yesterday. And I want to start with the defensive issues because um, there were a fair few. Uh, let's uh, kick off by looking at some of them. And I talked after the game about how I felt Arsenal's system, the 4-2-3-1, didn't really work against Brentford. And often when a 3-5-2 like Brentford play is, is implemented in the right way, it can cause... A, a team with a back four, a lot of problems. It can cause a team with a three-man midfield, a lot of problems. And I think for Arsenal, you saw that yesterday. Now, am I saying that Mikel Arteta should have completely scrapped his game plan or scrapped his system in order to kind of accommodate for Brentford? No, I'm not saying that because I think for me, Arsenal should be at a level whereby they're not worrying about Brentford with all due respect to them and they should have their way of playing and they should be able to go and play that way and impose themselves on their opponents. But what I would say is that Mikel Arteta at a certain point surely had to realise that this was causing us problems, that we weren't able to cope with in particular uh, Brentford's decision or well, it's not a decision that they made based on this game, it's Brentford's tendency to play with two strikers. Arsenal didn't adapt to deal with that and Arsenal quite simply couldn't live with that and I'm going to share with you guys that are watching on YouTube some screenshots from the game if you're listening via the audio don't worry I'll explain them as well and I'm going to start off with this one there's a long ball come forward uh, for Brentford and you can see that both Ben White and Pablo Marie are occupied by Ivan Tony and Brian Mbwemo. There is no spare man in the centre of Arsenal's defence. And one of the reasons that Arsenal were better defensively last season, in my opinion, was that they were more often than not able to drop somebody that little bit deeper and create that spare man situation at the back. It's really, really important. And when both your centre-halves are occupied, then you've got a problem. You're on the back foot immediately. Not only were they occupied by Brian and Buemo and Ivan Tony, but they were physically outbattled. They were physically uh, beaten. They were outmuscled. They really, really struggled aerially. They couldn't win anywhere near as many headers, as many aerial duels as you need to win playing as a centre back. Um, you know, in this division, and I had real concerns about uh, not so much. 
Pablo Marie because I don't see him as a as a starter when everybody's fit. But I had concerns about Ben White's performance. I thought he looked all over the shop yesterday. And when you spend fifty million pounds on a centre half, as I said yesterday, you want an impact straight away. You want to see him come in and improve the side immediately. Um, you know, I hope he comes good and he, he probably will. But obviously, coming off the back of that performance, there are going to be some concerns. Uh, I want to take it on to the next screenshot, which was um, another situation that Brentford created, this time down the left-hand side. And you can see Ivan Tony lurking inside the penalty area, occupying Pablo Marie. And again, you can see Brian and Buemo in between uh, Pablo Marie and Ben White. And as he comes out to go towards the ball, uh, on the left wing, just left of the penalty area, Ben White has to confront him, which again means that Brentford are occupying both of our centre-halves and pulling them apart, creating that space in between them. If I take it on to this next one, which is in the lead-up to Brentford's opening goal, and this is when the ball was headed back uh, towards uh, Sergi Canos, who was on the corner of the penalty area. Look where Callum Chambers is. Callum Chambers there for me is is too deep. And the reason he's too deep is because he's just played a really poor clearance off of the byline. Now, a lot of people were complaining, weren't they, about that? Did the ball go out? Was it in? The honest answer to that is that you couldn't possibly tell from the angles that we got. But not only is Callum Chambers' clearance a poor one, he takes way too long to get to Sergi Canos, as you can see in this screenshot, Canos receives the ball in the corner of the penalty area. He's got time to take a touch. He's got time to turn. He's got time to shift the ball out of his feet. And by the time he does all of that, Callum Chambers can't get there quick enough to prevent the shot. Burn Leno's received criticism off the back of that. Should Burn Leno have done better at his near post? Quite possibly. But I don't think Burn Leno was the main issue in this goal. I think the fact that Arsenal play a poor clearance and then are too slow. Primarily, Callum Chambers is too slow to push out and confront the Brentford player in a dangerous position is the big issue here. I'm going to take it forward a little bit further in the game. And there's another example here of Brentford again pulling Arsenal's two centre-halves apart, occupying the pair of them. And where in this picture is the spare man? Where is the player to cover Pablo Marie? Ben White can't do it because if Ben White comes across, he leaves Ivan Tony completely unmarked. But equally, if that ball goes to Ivan Tony, who is going to cover Ben White? It's it's basic stuff. It's basic stuff. The last thing you want as a centre-back pairing is to be pulled apart and is to not have any cover anywhere near you. And time and time again, Brentford went long. They used the physicality of Mbwemo and they used the physicality of Ivan Tony. And they won those balls. They got the ball down and they were isolated our two centre-halves. And that was a major, major problem for Arsenal. Should the midfield have done more to help get back and combat that? Yeah, probably. But I think it's the manager's responsibility to make people do their jobs, to make people fill in those spaces. And I think that looking at Mikel Arteta, who you would say is a bit of a tactician, based on some of the ways he's kind of set us up previously and some of the games that we have performed in under him, you'd expect him to spot that quicker and do something about it and address it. And he never really did. I want to take it on a little bit further to Arsenal attacking. And this was a situation, I think this was the opportunity I mentioned earlier on, where the ball was cut back uh, inside the penalty area to... Uh, following Balogun, who was unable to get a good shot away. But again, it was this constant 
desire from Arsenal to play the ball down the left-hand side. And I'm going to talk about how that affects our shape and, and the problems that that causes us uh, in a little bit with the tactics board. But just to give you an idea here now, compare this situation to the one I just showed you where Brentford are on the attack. Look how they isolated our centre-halves. And here, following Balogun is marked, there's a player ready to go out and confront Kieran Tierney, who's just out of the shot here, but is going to receive the ball on the left. There's a, a centre-half. Uh, well, there's another player in the midfield there. You can see him just behind following Balogun, who is going to protect that space behind Balogun to prevent somebody else making a late dart in there. And Brentford are really, really well set up here. And as I said before, they will happily allow you to get the ball in those wide areas because they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players back to cope with it with two of them being completely spare. That's how you defend. You defend the width of your penalty area and and you defend with spare men. You need to have spare men. That's how, for me, you clean things up. That's what gives you the advantage as a defensive unit. Obviously, Brentford play with a back five. It looks like a back three on paper and the wing backs do push forward when they get the opportunity. But for the most part yesterday, especially after they took the lead, it was a back five and Arsenal never really pulled them apart enough. If I take it on a little bit further, um, you're looking at another situation here. This was a situation where Emil Smith-Rowe burst forward. It was a lovely turn from Emil Smith-Rowe when he received the ball a little bit deeper and he spun away from a couple of Brentford players who you can see trying to play catch up. But even still, Brentford have three players back, three players uh, behind the ball, one of which is marking um, the left winger, one of which is picking up Nicolas Pepe, and again, one of which is spare. And if you've got that spare man who can go and confront that player without losing or without letting somebody go free, then you've got a really good chance of defending the situation well. And Emil Smith-Rowe in the end was crowded out to the point where he got the ball stuck underneath his feet and couldn't get a decent shot off. So, you know, Perfect examples of Brentford's defending in comparison to ours. Look at the difference in the way they're not allowing themselves to be isolated, in the way that they make sure they've got enough men back to deal with the problems. Taking it on further, this is a situation that Arsenal created a little bit later on in the game. This time, Callum Chambers coming forward down the right-hand side. And again, Brentford have plenty of bodies back. Brentford have spare men in the penalty area to deal with this situation. But the difference here is that Arsenal overload the box. And this is what Arsenal need to do. If you want to base your game on pushing forward, creating spaces in wide areas and putting crosses into the box, you need to flood the opponent's penalty area. And this was one of the rare occasions that Arsenal did this and by doing that, by occupying the majority of those Brentford defenders and dragging them all goalwards, they created a space and the ball fell to Granit Xhaka, who made a late run into the penalty area. Unfortunately for us, he wasn't able to keep his shot down. But the opportunity came because Arsenal occupied those Brentford centre-backs, put them in a place where they had to stay close, where they had to defend that particular area of the pitch. And that overload, if it doesn't get you joy in terms of it falling directly to one of those players, it creates a space for others to arrive. Taking it on to the Brentford second goal, and it was flashbacks of Stoke, wasn't it? It was flashbacks of those horrible nights we used to have at Stoke. Long throws being the kind of bane of our lives. Balls launched into the penalty area and Arsenal just simply not having the stomach to defend it. Um, you know, it's 
it's really frustrating. And I think that Bern Leno probably should do better here. I think that Jens Lehmann doesn't allow this to happen to him. Jens Lehmann doesn't get bullied by a centre-half in that way. But even still, you can see in this shot that I'm showing you now, the ball is in the six-yard box. It's in the air. It's inside the six-yard box. Ben White is there. Does he show enough desire? Does he show enough power, enough dominance, enough presence? Does he leap up and head that ball clear? No, he doesn't. Does Kieran Tierney react quick enough? No, he doesn't. Nobody in an Arsenal shirt reacts well enough to this situation. And as a result, Brentford are able to turn the ball in the back of the net. Again, really poor defending. Basic, simple stuff. And the fact that Thomas Frank spoke after the game about how Brentford had planned to do that, how Brentford had looked at Arsenal and seen that as a potential weakness makes me feel uneasy because actually one of the things that I had said about Mikel Arteta was that I thought that we were less of a soft touch in those kind of situations. I thought we were more organised. and But there's only so much of that you can put down to individual errors. And there comes a point where you have to look at the manager. You have to look at what he's doing. And I said I'd judge him a lot more harshly this season. And I think that it's going to be really difficult for him to turn this around now because the the feeling around the club, the mood around the club and the mood within the fan base is at a point now where it's going to take something very special to pick it back up again. And I'm not sure Mikel's got it in him. I'm really not. Final uh, screenshot I want to show you from the game was another situation where Arsenal got forward. And again, you can see it's Kieran Tierney coming down the left-hand side. I said it yesterday. Tierney, uh, Lekonga, and Smith Rowe were probably my three best players last night. I don't think Xhaka was bad either, but I think everybody else was very underwhelming. This was a situation where Tierney pulled the ball back to Nicola Pepe, who arrived in the penalty area quite late. Uh, got a decent shot off, to be fair to him. Wasn't an easy technique that forced a good save out of David Raya. But again, that's come as a consequence of Reese Nelson's run, and he's just pulled people away. That's what you need to do, occupy defenders. If you've got a lone centre forward, and we're going to come on and talk about this in a bit, trying to kind of create spaces for other people, it doesn't work. Following Balogun, for me, didn't do enough, but I'll, I'll come into more detail as a, around about what I think he could have done better, what I think... Um, what I think Gabriel Martinelli could have done better as well, because I thought both of them were quite underwhelming considering everybody was really, um, you know, positive about them being in the side. Let's take it on to the tactics board because there's some other points that I think need uh, to be made with regards to Arsenal's performance yesterday. And as I said, I talked about the fact that Brentford's formation caused us all sorts of problems. I thought the two centre forwards constantly occupying our centre backs was a big problem for us. It was something we never found a way to live with. And I want to talk about that emphasis on Arsenal's left-hand side. Now, if you cast your minds back to Mikel Arteta's time right at the beginning, when he first took over, when we won the FA Cup, I, on this channel, on this podcast, talked about the fact that Mikel Arteta's Arsenal side are lopsided. I've always maintained that. I've said that time and time again, and you're seeing it more and more and more. When I say lopsided, I'm talking about Arsenal being in a place where they shapeshift in a way that accommodates Arsenal to bomb that extra body forward down the left-hand side, but doesn't really accommodate for them to do it on the right. Now, in the past, under Unai Emery and under Arsene Wenger, you could argue there were times where we pushed both fullbacks on and what that led to was us being exposed defensively. So I understand the reluctance to do that all the time, and I get that. And I actually agree with that. 
but there has to be some variation to it. Sometimes you have to shift in a way that allows the left back to get forward. Sometimes you have to do it in a way that allows the right back to get forward. Sometimes you have to do it in a way that allows one of your deeper midfield players to step forward and join in with the attack. There has to be variety to your attacking play. An attack without spontaneity is completely fucking useless because everybody knows what you're going to do. Therefore, they can get in position and they can deal with it. Now, Arsenal's shape yesterday, um, Balogun was obviously hanging around in between the two centre-halves, as you'd expect your centre-forward to do. Uh, Lokonga and Xhaka were noticeably higher up the pitch than they probably would have been last season. Uh, but that created a bit of a gap between our back four and the midfield. And that was the gap that Ivan Tony and uh, Brian and Buemo were were exposing. They were able to then get into the faces of Pablo Marie and uh, Ben White without the midfield being able to provide that screen. So the higher press, and it wasn't a completely high press, but the higher press than what we normally see from Arsenal um, or what we saw from Arsenal last season actually caused us some problems yesterday. Kieran Tierney, as we talk about all the time, is in a place where he is given that license to bomb forward. And he does that so frequently. Arsenal's defence shifts over as a result, uh, becomes a bit of a back free. And uh, you see Arsenal like this uh, quite a bit when in possession. Xhaka drops that little bit deeper when we're really pushing forward. Uh, Lokonga holds that midfield. Xhaka will, will tuck into this kind of area. And Martinelli, for me, is pushed into an area here from the inside left, which I think is is a is a dead area. It's a dead area. We talk about half spaces and we actually see a lot of teams in Europe that expose those half spaces really, really well. But... We criticise Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang quite a bit and we talk about how it doesn't really work for him coming in off of that position. And the reason it doesn't work for Aubameyang and the reason it doesn't work for Martinelli, and yesterday was the proof in the pudding that it doesn't really matter who plays there, the same issue arises, is because you're pushing them into a congested area. You're pushing the player into what I think, especially when you're playing against a back three with three centre-halves, is a dead space. It's a dead part of the pitch. Gabriel Martinelli doesn't want to receive the ball here where he's got centre-backs all over him. You know, he doesn't want that. Why would he? You know, it's a back five. Uh, sorry, I always mess up using this thing. It's a back five that Brentford are playing with at this point, yeah? It's a back five and and Gabriel Martinelli doesn't want to be in a position where he's within reach of the fullback, but also got a centre-half specifically allocated to stop him progressing. That's not to mention Brentford's free midfield players who did chip in defensively and provide that screen. Why would Martinelli want to receive the ball there? He doesn't want to. Martinelli wants to receive the ball right on the touchline have the space and time to get it under control because very rarely do you see defenders pushing right out to the touchline. They normally let you have it there and look to defend the width for their penalty area. But once he's got the ball under his spell, once he's got the ball under control, you want to see Martinelli driving into these areas. You don't want that to be his starting position. But with Arsenal being so keen every single time to push Kieran Tierney up and use Kieran Tierney as that extra man and use him as the guy who's going to put the cross in, the guy who's potentially going to unlock the defence. You're essentially making Gabriel Martinelli or whoever plays on the left wing redundant. There has to be some more variety to Arsenal's play and we're just not seeing it. We are simply not seeing it. If I go back... Um, 
to Arsenal's kind of default formation and we put everybody back into position just quickly, um, we, we can talk about playing out from the back, which is another big problem under Mikel Arteta. At times, we've seen it work to our benefit. At times, we've seen Arsenal um, be able to draw opponents out and create spacing behind as a result of that. We saw it in that really positive FA Cup run, didn't we, uh, a few years back. Um, and, and, it, and it was great. But it's, it's something that we're really, really not doing well enough at the moment, I've, I think I might have put an extra Brentford player on here. Have I? Three, five, three, two. Yeah, I've got an extra Brentford body in there. Let's get rid of him. Uh, so, yeah, look, it's you're trying to play out from the back. And the idea of it, in theory, I understand. But you have to have press-resistant players to do that. And do you look at Callum Chambers as someone you think is particularly press-resistant? Do you think that Pablo Marie is particularly press-resistant? I don't think they are. But the problem here is that... Burn Leno so often puts them in really, really difficult positions. I think he's got to use his common sense more and he doesn't. He lets Mikel Arteta's instruction almost completely hijack his mind and hijack his thoughts to the point where he is almost finding it impossible to do something different. And unfortunately, you know, I get it. You've got to do what your manager asks. And, and to a degree, I understand why Bern Leno is so keen to carry out Mikel's instructions. But there are points where you are clearly putting us into trouble. There are points where you're clearly putting us in danger. And what frustrates me the most about this playing out from the back stuff is when you see this occur, when you see Pablo Marie drop deep, when you see Ben White drop deep, almost square of Bern Leno, you see the fullbacks, uh, Kieran Tierney in this case. Whoops, what have I done there? I've made Kieran Tierney disappear from the tactics board. We'll have him back. There we go. Thank you very much. What you're doing essentially by pushing those those guys up, you're asking them to push up and you're asking them to occupy further up the pitch. But Brentford with two strikers, they got the ability to press you here. And what you're doing is your, your midfield if they drop into these areas, Brentford have the players to go with them and cause them problems and flood you out. And what you've got is a situation where you're giving the ball to your two centre-halves at times inside their own penalty area and you're asking them to pick out a brilliant pass. And more often than not, they won't be able to do that because they're in trouble. They're struggling. You know, they're, they're under pressure and it becomes safety first. And what happens as a result of that is you play, you see them play a long ball out of the defence, whether it's Pablo Marie or Ben White, whoever it is, the long ball goes forward towards following Balogun. That's what constantly occurred last night. And there were the big three centre-halves to eat it up all day. That's what they want. They don't want following Balogun with the ball at his feet, turning and running at them. But they'll happily, all day long, take long, direct balls up towards a striker that has, unfortunately, no chance of winning them. Now, do I blame Balogun for that? Absolutely not. To a degree, do I even blame Pablo Marie and Ben White for that? No, because I feel like they're put in that situation. I feel like they're put in a situation where they are constantly under pressure. The goalkeeper's constantly under pressure. You could see it very early on in the game. There were moments, there were scenarios where Pablo Marie, for example, I, I think he lost his temper, didn't he, with Bert Leno because of a pass that he gave him. Having that uncertainty and people having a go at each other and that disconnect between your goalkeeper and your centre-back so early on in the game is a clear sign that things are not working, that things are going wrong. And we need to adapt it. We need to change it. You know, Mikel Arteta might, in an ideal world, want to play this way, but he ain't 
flipping working. It isn't working. So you've got to change it. You've got to do something else. You've got to add some variety um, to your game. And we're just simply not doing that. The other frustrating thing about this whole playing out from the back stuff is that when you pull your two centre-halves in the way that he does with Pablo Marie and Ben White, you give them the ball and then more often than not, they're going to launch it long or it's going to go back to the goalkeeper who's going to launch it long. And what you've done is you've then put yourselves in a position where once you do play it long, your defenders are having to sprint out to get up the pitch and not play your opponents on side. Therefore, you might as well just set up to go long in the first place, because I can think of only a handful of times in the last, you know, 10 competitive games where we actually did drag someone out. We did manage to bypass the press and we did manage to create something off the back of it. There's not just one way of playing against Mikel Arteta's Arsenal side right now and being effective. There are now two ways, because if you sit off of us and you defend deep, we don't have the guile and the creativity to break you down. But equally, if you press us high up the pitch, we don't have the class and the quality to play our way out and to play past your press. So either way, Mikel Arteta's side are struggling. And that is the big concern for me. You're looking at this team and you're wondering what it is that they can do better, what it is they can change. And ultimately, the fact that we're playing two ways and neither are working, the fact that we're trying to sometimes play out from the back um, against opponents with a high press and not managing that, but equally when teams sit down, uh, sit back, sorry, against us and we can't, and we do push the back, centre-backs up, sorry, we still can't find a way of breaking them down. It's a real problem. It's a real problem. It's a real worry. It's a real concern. And we can talk about players missing and we can talk about players missing chances and we can talk about a ton of different things. But ultimately, for me, there's a lot of tactical issues when it comes to this side. Just to recap, before I take some of your questions in the live chat, feel free to start dropping them in the chat box now. Pop a little cue at the start. To summarise, we're too one-dimensional in attack. We've only got one plan. We've only got one idea. And that one idea is to release Kieran Tierney down the left-hand side and get him to cut balls back into the penalty area, which our opponents are absolutely loving. Why? Because they're dominating us in the penalty area. They're physically stronger. They've got spare men all the time. And it's a big, big problem. Our defence struggled to cope with two centre-forwards. I'm not sure that I would have pre-game switched the formation. I think it's very easy in hindsight to say that a back three would have suited us better yesterday. But I think having seen that 20 minutes or so into the game, Mikel Arteta has got a responsibility to address that, to do something that mitigates that problem at least a little bit. I think Brentford showed us how to defend yesterday, always having a spare man, always making it difficult for us. Um, and... You know, I think playing out from the back is a real, real problem for us. I think the goalkeeper's a problem. I don't think he does that anywhere near well enough. I don't think he breeds confidence to the rest of the defence. I think that Ben White was a major, major concern yesterday because he looked poor. I think that Pablo Marie looked worse than he normally does as a consequence of that. I thought, as I said, the only bright sparks, if any at all, were the performances of Kieran Tierney, who relentlessly got up and down the pitch, were was the performance of Sambi Lakonga. I thought coped quite well. Uh, it was a bit of a baptism of fire for him, but I think he did okay. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe did okay as well, but still needs to add that final pass or that shot or that 
goal threat that he's missing in that final third for me. I thought Xhaka did okay, not spectacularly, but okay. And other than that, I thought everybody else was was largely underwhelming. So disappointing day at the office, and it's not going to be easy to turn this around with Chelsea to come at the Emirates Stadium next week. But plenty of work for Arsenal to do. And um, Mikel Arteta is under pressure. There's no doubt about it. Hope you guys enjoyed the tactical analysis uh, of the game. Try to pick out some some key points for you. Try to show you them with some visuals as well for those of you on the YouTube channel. If I haven't explained it well enough in just audio, then guys, if you are listening via the audio platform, feel free to head over to the YouTube channel and check it out. Right, let's take some of uh, your questions from the live chat box. But before I do that, uh, just a quick reminder for you guys to make sure that you have hit that like button. It really, really does help the channel. It really helps get the video in front of more people. If you're listening via the audio, please do leave us a review. Uh, That is equally important as well. Just a quick little plug for an interview I did uh, with Jolian Lescott, uh, former Man City, Villa, Wolves, Everton and England man. Jolian Lescott joined me for a quick chat uh, on Thursday, I think it was. Was it Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. We released that this morning. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you'd give it a bit of love. Uh, Get over there, hit the like button, leave a comment. Let me know what you thought of it. We are going to be bringing you more Premier League related content, but I also recognise that the majority of you are here for Arsenal stuff. And so I don't expect those videos to do as good as the other ones do. Uh, But if you could show it some love, I'd really, really appreciate it. Right. Let's take uh, some of your questions now uh, from the live chat box. Here we go. Uh, Victor says, uh, hi, Harry, do you think Oba and Laka are ill or is it mutiny on their side? Remember, we rarely see Oba in the box and Laka is rarely close to Oba. Under Emery, they score the bundle. Yeah, I I don't know that there's any issue with Aubameyang and Lacazette. You know, again, I, I said this yesterday, I think it's dangerous to kind of go down that path and assume that there is a problem when they might just genuinely be, be ill. Uh, so I am a little bit um, mindful of, of going down that garden path sort of thing. So I am trying to be careful with that. But I, I don't really think that it was it was because they were missing that we didn't create chances yesterday. You know, if you get following Balogun in the right positions and he misses the chances, then of course you can make an argument that more seasoned pros like Lacquer and maybe Oba would would take those opportunities. But he weren't getting in the situations in the first place. And just one one final thought on that, by the way, because I, I completely forgot to make this point uh, when we were talking about it. Balogun didn't drop deep enough the way Lacazette does to link up with Smith-Rowe and Martinelli. And because he didn't do that, he didn't get on the ball much. I think he had some of the fewest touches in the entire game. Uh, And that was because he didn't get involved. But that, you know, if that's not your game as a striker, then that's not going to happen. And I think what you saw there is that although Lacazette might not be as clinical as we sometimes need him to be, he is very involved in our build-up play. And without him, it felt like our build-up play was even more one-dimensional than it normally is. We were even more uh, sort of desperate to go out to that left-hand side than we'd normally be because we had that lack of an option dropping that little bit deeper and getting closer to Emil Smith-Rowe in the attacking midfield position. Let's go back to the chat box. Uh, Let's see what else we've got. Um, T pieces, solid analysis. Thank you very much. Um, Andre Johansson says, do you think Arteta is gone if we're on zero points after four games? I don't know. 
is the honest answer. You know, last night I was trying really hard not to not to overreact, not to let my emotions cloud my judgment, not to let it take over my thoughts, not to let the the frustration and the rage get the better of me. But, you know, when you, you do dissect the game a little bit more, I watched it back since recording that podcast and I came up with these uh, points in terms of the analysis. And I think that when you look at those points, it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult to make a defence for Mikel Arteta when Arsenal turn in performances like that. And I'm not sure that he will be sacked after that point. But if we were on zero points after four games, then, and he was to be given his marching orders, how could you complain? You know, you couldn't. I don't think you could. Let's uh, take some more of your questions. Um, Pete Geary, along the similar lines, uh, along the same lines as, as that previous one, how long do we give Arteta because we can't afford to write off another season? Completely agree. Um, uh, you know, I think. 10 games might be too long in the sense of the context of our season, but I do think that the club will wait until that kind of point before they make a decision. Look, I've said that I wouldn't sack him after three or four weeks because I think that's harsh. But if you continue to say see the same problems and they're not being addressed, then it's very hard, as I say, to make that case that he should stay much longer. Let's take uh, some more of your comments. Uh, Kilo one up says you said Xhaka did okay. What exactly did he do? Because I can't exactly tell. Because I can tell exactly what he didn't do. I I'm not really sure what people think. Granite Xhaka did majorly wrong yesterday. He's obviously been instructed to push that bit higher up the pitch as part of this more aggressive Arsenal, and I think that exposes him. We talked about it many times during last season. The reason Granit Xhaka looked better than he had done in previous years was because he was being deployed in a way that allowed his shortcomings to be covered up. And in this case, yesterday, uh, you saw Granit Xhaka uh, having to push that little bit further up because it was part of the ploy, part of the plan, not being able to provide that defensive screen uh, to the centre-backs because of this slightly differing role, which you got a pin on Mikel Arteta. And um, and I thought that's why at times he didn't look very good. But I don't think he looked poor. I don't think he gave the ball away uh, too frequently. I don't think he was the issue. He, when he received the ball, it was very simple. It was get the ball play out to the left for Kieran Tierney. We saw that happen time and time again. I, I never said he had a great game, but I, I don't think he was the issue today. I don't think that was our biggest problem. Uh, Al R says, do you think Odegaard changes anything tactically for us? Yeah, I do. I think that Odegaard is a player who is more willing to sit in that central attacking midfield position than Emil Smith-Rowe is. I think Emil Smith-Rowe is a bit of a drifter and that's not a bad thing. You know, it's why he is so difficult to keep tabs on as an opponent. But I do think Odegaard showed during his spell at Arsenal that he's more willing to sit in those central areas and if not impact the game himself, at least occupy opponents and create spaces for others. I do think tactically he gives us something slightly different to, to Emil Smith-Rowe in that sense. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Stephen Andrews, zero points at the end of August. Do you get rid or do you give it more time? Look, a lot of people are, are going down that route. A lot of people are looking at what might happen if Arsenal end up with zero points. And look, as I said yesterday, despite my frustration, anger, disappointment, all of that, if he goes and beats Chelsea on Sunday, which I don't think is going to happen, but it's football, nothing is impossible, then all of a sudden Arsenal have three points from their opening two games. And if I'd have told you we were going to beat Brentford and, and lose to Chelsea, you'd have probably been 
not pleased with it, but content with it. So football can change very, very quickly. And I don't want to go down this garden path of what if this and what if that. Look, we've got to take each game as it comes. We've got to make those assessments based on each game. And if we see that the same issues, if I'm sitting here next uh, next Monday morning talking about the exact same problems from a tactical perspective, then you've got to look at, at Mikel Arteta. And, and I think only then can you make those judgments. I don't want to say it's got to be X amount of points by the time, by this particular point, because if we get beaten 1-0 by Chelsea, but we play much better, we don't make the same tactical mistakes that we did today and we do put in a really good performance, then that buys him back a little bit of credit with some of us anyway. Uh, that's the point. You know, you've got to judge it game by game at this moment in time. I, I think the, the situation with Arteta is too precarious for him to be given 10 games, 15 games, but equally it's just the game into the season. And I don't think you can say after three games that he should definitely be sacked if we don't do this or if we don't do that. It's all ifs and buts for me at the moment. There will come a point where I will feel that if, you know, if things don't improve, that the time is 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 now for him to go, but not at that point after one game, I've got to say. Um, Lewis Cooper says, Harry, are you concerned with how we coped with a high press? If we can handle this high press against Brentford, then I really fear Man City and Liverpool. I'm massively concerned with the way we cope with the high press. For me, that was one of the biggest worries. It was a worry at times last season. There were other times where we coped with it quite well. There were other times where we came against opponents who, as I said, parked the bus and it wasn't that much of an issue. But you're going to get this in the Premier League. There are crowds back. There are... And you, you're probably thinking, why is he talking about crowds and the high press? But I do think with a crowd behind you, you're more likely to go in and press an opponent with a, that little bit more, 5-10% more aggression than you would in an empty stadium where everything's a bit dull and everything's a bit flat. So I do think that um, that, that is going to be a bigger problem for us this season than maybe it was last season. Got to improve. Sam, one of our members, says, don't you think we would be better going to a back three uh, at the back with... Uh, Wing-backs and Katie, we can get Chiarantini further up the pitch and Oba Martinelli can play as an inside forward rather than as a winger. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And I actually think yesterday, having watched the game back, I'm not going to claim that I said this, you know, during the game or before the game started. I'm not going to claim that at all. But having watched it back with a cooler head uh, and, and been putting notes together to kind of provide this analysis, I do feel as though, the back three would have served us better yesterday. I also think when you look at our personnel, maybe we're a bit more suited to it. Maybe we're better off with Kieran playing as a left centre-back where he can uh, step in, uh, step up the field a little bit, but also tuck in and help the centre-backs. Maybe Ben White, well, no, definitely Ben White is, is more used to that system and I think he looks better in that system. I think that... Um, you know, we would benefit from whoever it is that's playing on that left wing, either playing as an out-and-out centre-forward or having the licence to go and occupy or accommodate that left wing and drifting in from there rather than being pushed inside all the time into traffic, which I think is what's happening with whoever plays in that position at the moment. I think there are lots and lots of issues and, and there's a case to be made for that. I wouldn't even mind seeing Nuno Tavares giving a run out on that left wing-back position. Uh, yeah, good point. Uh, big hello to Pax Lucas. He says, Harry, greetings from Rwanda. Do you think we've got a chance of finishing uh, the next two games with anything? We've got a chance because it's football and there's always a chance, but I'm not very confident <laughs> to answer your question. Not at all. 
what else have we got? Uh, Stephen Foote says, hi, Harry. Do you think Willian was to blame? Tongue firmly in cheek. Uh, <laughs> people will try and blame Willian somehow, won't they? Strange to see that he wasn't, um, wasn't involved at all. Uh, Wondering Minstrel says, do you think our physical presence will be tested this year based on what you've seen? I felt we were bullied and pushed around early in the game. Yeah. And if your centre-halves are getting bullied, then you got a problem. You know, that's the two players that you look to on the pitch to provide you with that bit of steel, that physicality. And if you can't compete with someone physically, then you've got to show some know-how. You've got to show some some brain and, and you've got to be wily and you've got to be clever. And, and David Luiz was at times bullied, but at times was able to cope with somebody with a greater physical presence because of his experience, because he give them that little nudge, he'd step on their toes. He'd, he'd do those little bits and pieces that sometimes go under the radar, but can often make a lot of difference. So I do think we were bullied. I do think physical presence is a big issue at centre-back for us. I think that when Gabriel comes back, though, that changes quite a bit because I think he is physically superior to any other central defensive option we have, but we haven't got him at the moment. So we've got to learn to cope without him and to have spent £50 million on a centre-back who, based on yesterday showing, and I'm very clear on that kind of caveat being in there, didn't improve the team and looked a little bit out of his depth. I've got to be honest, that's a big worry for me. A big, big worry indeed. Uh, Craig Tanner says, Arteta avoided giving a straight answer around Oba and lack of paper talk today is we're willing to sell Oba. Do you think there's any weight behind that or the papers jumping on him missing? I think the papers will jump on him missing because it's an... Apologies there. I don't know. My mic uh, decided to uh, play up again. Hold on a second. We've had this a few times over the last couple of days. Apologies to all our live viewers. I don't know what the hell is going on. We've got some sound anyway at the moment. Hopefully I can get it back to the proper mic uh, as soon as possible because it is, of course, uh, better quality. But yeah, just uh, going back on that point, I do think that, um, you know, you're, you're right in that the papers are probably jumping on the story. Uh, they do that. They get an opportunity. The opportunity presents itself and they will do their utmost, won't they, to, to make something out of it. I don't know that there's something to it. You know, I don't know that there's a big issue there that we are, um, we are, I don't know that there's a big issue there for me to kind of make a big hoo-ha and big song and dance about it. There could be, but again, it's just me guessing. I don't really know on that one. Let's uh, continue down the chat. Uh, apologies for the sound dip in there for a few seconds. It should be back on now. Um, it's coming through the default mic at the moment, which is not as clear, but I don't know why this has happened. And the problem is when you do things live, you can't stop and edit it. You can't fix it. So we'll just carry on. Uh, just give me a thumbs up uh, at the moment if uh, you can hear everything loud and clear. I can see the audio coming through at this end, so it should be fine. Uh, right, let's take this one from Russ Morgan. What did you think of Sky's coverage? Uh, they didn't cover any of the incidents leading up to either of the goals. I thought it was a little bit biased. Um, I thought it was a little bit geared in Brentford's favour, but equally... Brentford were this big story. Brentford were the side that had come up to the Premier League for the first time in their history. Were playing top flight football for the first time 
since 1947. Arsenal are the side who were expected to go out, perform and win the game. Arsenal were the side who were um, under pressure last night. And Sky, like any broadcasting company that were covering the game, were always going to jump on Arsenal if it didn't work. They were always going to go heavy on their praise uh, for for Brentford. Uh, that was always going to be the case. You know, I don't really take issue with that. It was a little bit biased. But I think, as I say, Brentford were the big story yesterday, weren't they? Uh, big thank you to Victor for your very, very kind Super Chat donation, mate. Really, really appreciate that. Thank you uh, so much for uh, your support. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, means a world to me. So uh, thank you once again. Right, I think we are going to leave it there for our tactical analysis show. Once again, apologies for the audio issues in the middle of the show. I'm not sure why this happens. It's happened to me a couple of times over the last few days where the microphone is plugged into a USB extension, uh, a splitter, and at certain points it just cuts off. And I don't know why. I even spent money to get a good quality splitter because I thought that that um that would make a that would make a difference uh but obviously it's not so i'm uh, gonna have to rethink that and if anyone's got any ideas on how i can stop that happening then please do let me know uh i'd really really love that uh but yeah is what it is for the arsenal there we go the mic's back fucking hell uh disappointing night for the arsenal um really really frustrating we've gone through the problems we've gone through um, what wasn't good enough, what the solutions are, that is over to Mikel Arteta uh, to come up with because he's got a lot of work to do between now and that game against Chelsea next Sunday. Don't forget to hit the like button. Let's check in, in fact, where we are in terms of likes at the moment um, because, as I always say, the likes really, really do help the channel. There's over 300 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms. Uh, so thank you for that support. We've only got 73 likes on the board, though. Let's get that up to 100. Um Surely uh, that will help. Uh, please, uh, surely that will help. Surely that's easy to do, given how many of you are watching. And uh, we can get there sooner or later. So please do hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you want to become a member of the channel and support me to bring you more Arsenal content, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. Uh, if you are a gold member or above, there is a bit of members exclusive content that dropped uh, late last night, which was my player ratings uh, following that game. And you'll be getting those going forward throughout the course of the season. Thank you all so much again for your support. I'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal related content. Unless a big transfer story breaks, I think I'm going to take the rest of the day off. I need it. Cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.